What's up, futurists? Michael here, and you're listening to Our Future, the business podcast for young people. My guest today is Ed Bullion, who is an absolute icon in the car world, and I still can't believe this interview even happened. In 2013, he gained national attention. He broke the Cannonball Run record driving from New York to Los Angeles in 28 hours, 50 minutes. Then he launched VinWiki. It's a social media app that allows users to track and document the lives of any car in the country. And it also hosts a YouTube channel where Ed and other hooligans tell hilarious, wacky, and downright crazy car stories they've experienced. And it has upward of a million subscribers. I've watched Ed's channel for so long, followed his advice, laughed at his stories, and I was lucky enough to have gotten him on the pod. Hope you guys enjoy. So, so Ed, I, I started this pod as a college kid, but, but let me tell you, that's a hell of a lot easier than starting an exotic rental car company <laughs> as a college kid. What made you think you didn't have to go grab an internship with a dealership or a car company? You were just like, I'm gonna, I love cars. I'm going to start this business and just learn it. Like, I'm just going to dive in. I figured if you're ever going to go bankrupt, it's best to do it as early as possible so you can learn from it and get past it later in life. But ultimately, I thought that it was based on where the industry was and what I saw in terms of competition, in terms of the opportunity, that it was really a great time to try to be in the industry. At that point, there were only three or four legitimate exotic car rental companies in the US. And I had been able to see exactly how they were doing it. I'd even helped some of them locate and acquire cars. And so I had a good inroad on it, on how it was working, even though it was still a bit of a harebrained scheme. But anytime I've had a goal, I've noticed that it becomes very easy for us to get caught up in all the reasons we need to wait, all the reasons we can't do it right now. But in reality, all you have to do is solve the problem. And the more that you can break the big problem down into small problems that are incrementally easier to digest, understand, and move through, the more likely you are to be successful. You started off as an entrepreneur, you know, with the iguanas, with the exotic rental company, and then you went and like worked in a traditional dealership capacity. Uh, you right. went and worked for Lamborghini of Atlanta. Killed it there, absolutely, absolutely killed it. If you could tell me one secret for selling a supercar like you're, you're talking to these guys like you're trying to convince them to shill out like 250 between 500k you know here have a piece of italy but it's not that easy well anytime you're trying to sell something you're looking to converge what they say they want and what you know your product is and what they say they want may not be all that congruent with what your product is but there are pros and cons and things that you're going to exaggerate. And it's really about sculpting the entire engagement, the entire conversation towards that convergence. And the more that you tell them why you listen to them and you understand what they really want, but that means that that is this car, the easier it is to get them to say yes and write the check. So, so Ed, speaking of Lambos, you own one of 26 LP640s. And we found a few more, just one of 29, manual. One, one of 29, thank you to Vimwiki. Uh, and then one of two rough RT12s in the country, in the United States. We're dealing with the death of the manual, uh, the bell's ringing. How are you dealing with this? I love it. I love that the cars are becoming a, a fixed target, right? So the 
pathology of being too close to the car industry is you get wrapped up in this gotta own the latest, greatest, whatever. Anytime you let other people change your goals, it's a poison. So now that they don't make many new manual cars, I get to just want the ones that I already wanted, which means that the goal doesn't have to change. The goal post doesn't have to move. And so I love the fact that the cars that I already like, the ones that I already want to own are probably the best versions of themselves that will ever exist. And then I can just keep focusing on that, keep trying to make some money or build my credit or do whatever it takes to buy those cars and not have to worry about something coming out that I just cannot live without. So, yeah, I mean, we are dealing with these these seismic changes in, in uh, the, the car industry. Uh, gas is out. The electric future is here. What are you doing about it? And are Ferrari and Lamborghini risking irrelevance due to the fact that they don't have an electric supercar on the road right now? I don't think anybody's risking irrelevance today. I think the possibility that brand becomes a lot more than relative performance is imminent. And, and I'm interested to see how that plays out. Like, you know, you think about it, we'll probably see three to four popular electri electrified and autonomous platforms. And those will become licensed and shared amongst lower volume manufacturers that just can't make a business case out of engineering things to that extent. So let's just say you have a, a Tesla, a Rimac and a Ford different platform that somebody could use for building on top on them, almost in a coach building circumstance. I think that's probably what we'll see in the near term, the 20 year time frame, where the, the technology's out there, but it's not universally engineered. And so you'll see companies like Ferrari, Lamborghini, Aston Martin, Bentley, Bugatti, all taking on one of those, tweaking them a bit to let them feel in control but really the focus is going to be on the comfort, the aesthetic, the just the, the branding attitude, how the proximity to racing efforts, whatever that becomes. And a lot of these brands have a lot of equity there. Some of them don't have as much and they're going to have to change the ways they invest. Since you love stories, I thought I'd tell you one that I kind of went through recently. So went to go grab some fish and chips takeout. I'm sitting in the Tesla Model 3 Performance and he points and says, Yo, look, it's a Tesla. And I was like, oh, that, that's pretty sick. So, you know, I roll in the window. He's obviously six feet away. And I was like, I, I said, hey, yo, why do you love the Tesla so much? Just because I was genuinely interested. And he looks at me like I'm stupid. And he's like, it's because it can drive itself. Duh. That made me think. I'm like, what is the future for the enthusiasts if, if the kids aren't obsessed with like the speed and like that feeling that one day they'll be able to be the race car driver or they'll, they'll be able to be the master of the machine. What is, what is going to happen to the enthusiast community? Well, it will certainly change uh, if it persists at all. Uh, I mean, you know, we've always seen things that our parents or grandparents generation cared a lot more about than, than we do. Like, you know, probably the, the biggest one between my generation and my parents' generation is a fascination with fixing things. Most people in our generation view things as disposable. They were probably built to be disposable. It's not necessarily a flaw in our perception in the same way that that kid isn't wrong about what's being told to him is great about a good car. And so 
I think we're going to deal with an askew perspective between ourselves and a younger generation that we may or may not ever bridge. And, you know, like when I tell my grandkids that I drove across the country faster than anybody ever had, they're going to (laughs) go, you mean you just pressed go to California and it took you there faster than anybody else had pressed the button to go. It, it, it may not even be possible to explain it in a relatable enough way for, for that to ever mean anything to them. And that's okay. Like it, I didn't do it for that, but it is definitely going to be a reality that we've got to, to navigate through. So Ed, you started VinWiki after you left Lamborghini of Atlanta. It was your first kind of like tech startup and um, it's a social vehicle history reporting app. It's got a great user interface and kind of the most outward facing part of it is the YouTube channel. Did you have the YouTube channel in the works before VinWiki? Was it, I have the idea for VinWiki, then I'm going to create a storytelling ecosystem on YouTube to create publicity for it? Or was it like, wow, these stories are really getting a lot of attention and people really like them, we can use this. It's like, did the chicken or the egg come first? Well, very much the the chicken of the app came first. One of the mistakes that people do when they launch any company is that they have absolutely no idea what their cost of user acquisition is, cost of customer acquisition. And you'll talk about that a lot in business school, but I didn't go to business school. That was a really, really difficult moment when I realized, all right, we have something cool here, but the only way I knew that I could successfully get people to download this app was to go to Cars and Coffee with a bunch of $5 t-shirts and hand them out when somebody downloaded and posted the app. So again, I said, all right, YouTube is where we can find our users. We just have to get views on YouTube and we'll find a correlation. So... I called a bunch of friends, got some pizza and beer, and we sat around my warehouse telling car stories one afternoon. We shot the first 25 of them in a day. The theory had been, let's say we get 2,000 views a video. That'd be great. That'd be huge for a new channel. We had five subscribers to begin with. So instead, we got about 800,000 views across those 25 videos released throughout the course of a month. Insane. And it became like, all right, we got to keep doing it. We see that we gain about an app user per 1,000 views. And, you know, that's a great conversion because we get about 400,000 views a day. And it's, um, it's been awesome. You want to get to that a million, you're at 300 K. Is there a way to make VinWiki essential? Can, can you make it essential to some function in the car world and that perhaps you need a VinWiki history to sell your car? Certainly. And that's what we believe will happen over time. The requirement there is that we get so much user supplied data that it becomes very likely that when you download VinWiki, you will learn something from the app that you couldn't find Carfax, AutoCheck, or Google. And we're getting there. Like certainly with high-end cars, it's it would be irresponsible to buy one without checking because If it's a Ferrari, Lamborghini, Porsche, McLaren, anything like that, more often than not, there is data in the app from somebody that posts that they saw it at this car show, that they saw it with this bumper hanging off, they saw it in an accident, like a lot of crazy things that people report. There's a pretty good chance if the car is really cool or significant that that's happened. Now, over time, that'll reach more of like if if a car is 
less significant, less unique that that's happened. And so we've got about 160 million cars in the database with at least a post to them. Now, many of them have hundreds of posts, but you know, as that number creeps towards the total number of cars in the US, which is about 300 million, uh, I think we'll be at a point where, like you say, it is essential that somebody who's shopping for a car downloads this free app and sees what it has. And as we can add more data, that just becomes closer and closer. So I'd like to think we're a year or two from that, then Wiki will probably have some form of a proprietary marketplace. And we continue to have conversations about that yeah. with different players. But we're certainly headed in that direction. Well, I just want to ask you some fast fire questions. Sure. Um, forested Mountain Road or Coastal Highway? Mm. Yeah, the forested mountain roads are always more fun. The coastal highways are better for pictures and more beautiful, but uh, I'll take the mountains. Mountains, okay. You're not thinking about optics. All right, push to start or an old-fashioned key? Oh, I love a key. Minimal electronics. Uh, car chase with the police, what would you be driving? Mm. Of my current cars, the, the 430 Scuderia. Much more agile. It's gray. It blends in reasonably well. It is really loud, though, so that would be an issue. But uh, it's loud. certainly the, the scalpel for trying to dissect something. Uh, music while driving, ACDC or Rolling Stones? Off. Off. I, yep, I don't listen to any. You don't listen to anything? You just focus on no. the road? Most of my cars don't even have radios. Um, so I just focus on driving and appreciating the chance to be away. The V12 is your music. Uh, what's more exciting to you, an empty parking lot or an empty freeway on-ramp? Oh, an empty freeway on-ramp, for sure. Uh, okay, last last fast fire. Uh, unlimited budget. Unlimited budget. One. What's one car you, you would buy? What's the car you would buy? McLaren F1. It's just as cool as things get. I, I don't honestly know if it would be like a cool color high downforce kit car or an LM. The LMs are, you know, very much race cars and not terribly streetable. So that might not be the ultimate answer, but I, uh, I definitely, uh, it's McLaren F1. For young people out there, Ed, um, what can we do to go about life as shrewd negotiators, whether it be, uh, looking for a raise, whether it be, you know, starting a company and doing partnerships and sponsorships or uh, just dealing with friends and family. Most people think about, all right, where am I at and what can I do? And what opportunities are in front of me? The proper way to do it is think about what do I want and then work backwards until you get to the point where you're at today. So if I want to own this, if I want to get this, if I want to do this, if I want to feel this way, all right, what do people who do that do the day before? And what does it take to get that ability? What does it take to get that opportunity? And you keep working backwards rather than working forwards. It's a lot different mindset to think about, all right, this is what it would take rather than this is what I have. And that doesn't match up with what it seems like it's going to take. So there's a chasm here that can't be overcome. And it doesn't take that many steps in most cases from what it really takes to get whatever it is that you want. And so that's what I've always done. I've you know, not been one to take no for an answer or to take that this is the only path to this result. In most cases, there's a whole lot easier way. And I always say that 
a good answer today is a whole lot more valuable than a perfect answer tomorrow. Ladies and gents, that was Ed Bullion, founder and CEO of VinWiki, former Cannonball Run record holder, and one of the best storytellers out there. I'm really hyped to see VinWiki grow, see how it might take a larger role in how cars are bought and sold with all this data they've created. Don't forget to subscribe, follow the podcast, check out our YouTube video of this interview, and I'll catch you guys on Wednesday. Peace out.